back on the Fan Morning Show, Gunner and Ailish. We've been informed from our loyal text line this morning that the Blue Jays actually do have their own meaningless banner. For shame. 2020 wildcard banner is apparently hanging from the rafters. Will it be at the new Rogers Center? Or they sneakily removed that because apparently they sneakily raised it. Yeah, not, I don't remember this. Not what you want there. Uh, the fact that it was done under cloak of darkness tells you everything you need to know about the merit of that banner. What's worse, to sneakily raise it when no one's paying attention or to do what the Tampa Bay Rays did and have a ceremony? No, that's worse. Just like it it shows you that you know it's wrong if you do it without the ceremony, but having a ceremony is so much worse. Well, we got to wait about a week and a half, two weeks to see if it's still up there <laughs> when the Blue Jays come to, back home on April 11th. What a exciting it time it will it'll be, be to no zoom in on be. that one. Um, Jeff Blair, co-host of Blair and Barker and Sportsnet.ca columnist, coming off a very important day yesterday in Blue Jays land and also your birthday. Happy belated birthday, Jeff. Thank you. Don't feel a day older than 63. Well, actually, I do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Blue Jays got a big win like a for your birthday. Not, right? <laughs> True. Yeah, they did. did a you... nice, tidy seven-and-a-half-hour display of everything you don't like about baseball. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were going to start the pitch clock on day one. Maybe they are waiting till the Blue Jays come back home, but three hours and 38 minutes uh, didn't really feel like m- much had changed in terms of the, the speed of it all, but Gunner and I said if you're going to have 19 runs on 34 hits and 14 combined pitchers and a lot of runs, I guess that's the way you want it to go. You saw a lot of good offense from the Blue Jays, but I don't know. I, I guess initial thoughts on how you try to evaluate a one game without getting too hot takey, because there's a couple things we can circle that were maybe a uh, cause for concern. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing I always look for when teams come out of spring training is how much of your, you know, your deep-seated, darkest suspicions about the team are revealed once the games actually begin. And, you know, once guys aren't leaving in the fourth or fifth inning of the games and aren't working on stuff. And for the Blue Jays, you know, the bullpen yesterday was, I, I think my friend Mr. Barker would say, it's just, it, it reinforced the idea that, yeah, this is a team that has, as he calls them, no brainers. They got very few no brainers other than, I guess, Jordan Romano pitching in the ninth inning. Like they are going to be mixing and matching and finding pockets of three batters for their variety of arms to face all season long. And, you know, it is amazing that despite it all, it kind of worked out the way you wanted to, right? You want your closer on the mound. You want a one or two run lead. Your closer comes and closes the game down. The Jays have won. You go on. But, yeah, there were a lot of, there were a lot of things you saw out of the bullpen yesterday that I think probably uh, reinforced a few suspicions we had about this team going into spring training. I just uh, every now and then I, I I know we get carried. This is the thing about velocity. Everybody says we get carried away with velocity, and it doesn't matter if a guy can't control his pitches, yada yada, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then everybody agrees that velocity is a good thing, and I. I think saw from the Cardinals, you know, running out dudes who are going to throw 103 and 104 miles an hour. You, you just need more of those if you're the Blue Jays. I'm sorry, you can't get by with a bunch of dudes throwing 89, 95, spinning it, different arm angles. 
that might make a difference in some cases. But if you want to go to the World Series, if you want to be a championship team, I just don't think I don't think you can do it with the lack of margin for error that the Jays have right now out of the bullpen. Yeah, for, forget more of those guys. I'd I'd sign up for one of those guys that was that was running yeah. it up there over over a hundred. And I do think that's going to be the thing we're going to talk about kind of all season long. If this team does what we expect them to do, put themselves in a position to be a playoff team, whether it's wild card or division, you're going to have to go out and, and supplement that. You know, I think uh, if if we're going to just stick with the causes for concern before we pivot or pivot to the positive, it's you know Alec Manoa, uh, rough outing for him. Now you know fastball looked good. That's obviously encouraging, but he gets tagged for a couple of homers, gives up nine hits in total, doesn't make it out of the fourth. Uh, you know, how concerned are you about that opening day from Manoa, or do you just kind of chalk it up to one of those outings? I mean, I'm I'm not concerned about it for Alec Manoa. I'm I will you know, I will go to my grave believing that Kevin Gossman should have been the opening day starter in in in, in 2023. Um, yeah, I, I, going into yesterday's start. There was a lot of talk about how Pete Walker and John Schneider had sat down with Alec Manoa and told him to stay in the moment and all this stuff. And I'm glad they did that, and it's good that they did that. But if you got to do that, I'm not entirely certain that's the guy I want having the ball on opening day. The, the thing about Alec Manoa yesterday, all I wanted to see was, was the velocity that we saw at times last year that we didn't see in spring training had that come back. I, mean, I wasn't concerned about it because he's a good enough pitcher that he can get away with it. But I saw some 95s. I saw a 96. That was my major takeaway from it. And the other thing is, and, and Buck Martinez pointed this out in the telecast, like he and Alejandro Kirk have to figure out what the hell they're doing with the pitch con. I mean, they just mm-hmm. do. You, you can't. It's a fairly new thing. And yes, Alejandro Kirk missed time in spring training but they looked really uncertain they looked really sloppy using it yesterday i think it had something to do with alec manoa's uh performance or lack of performance in that game and they've i mean they got to get that fixed very soon they really do either let the catcher use it don't use it or just use it when there are when there are runners on base. They come to some sort of consensus about how you're going to do it. And I think yesterday they started with Manoa calling pitches and then they changed to Kirk calling pitches. Let Alejandro Kirk call pitches. I mean, Alec Manoa might be the one starting pitcher I don't want worrying about pitch comp, right? I just want him because I've already made – he's already – being asked to make a major change because of the pitch clock. Because he's a guy who likes to walk around the mound, gather his thoughts and all that stuff. He's already got to work with that. Don't don't give him another thing in his plate that he has to think about. So I'll be interested in seeing in the next start whether or not they just simplify that. Yeah, I think it's definitely not a, a non-factor. I listened to you, uh, Blair Barker, on Jay's talk post-game, and I, I definitely agreed with it. Made it look like a bit of an uncomfortable start uh, for that first inning, and then we obviously saw that he didn't make it past uh, the third. So if we're talking about things that maybe might stretch past just a one-game Bo's defense, I don't think he's helping himself with the narrative that he's not the future shortstop for this team. Obviously, it's early, but he made a couple defensive mistakes that we're probably going to talk about, and I'm sure you guys will talk about it on Blair and Barker at 10 a.m. Um, what did you just make of the, the highs and lows of Bo Bichette's game yesterday? 
I mean, just give me four hits a game and I'm happy. All right. You can throw the ball into the, you can throw the, ball into the stands twice. Like, seriously. Uh, a couple of, you know, the play that kind of concerned me yesterday more than any other play was the play where he went to second base uh, instead of throwing home. He had a shot at a guy at home plate, and he was very kind of oddly for Bo, extremely conservative, fielding the ball. And as my friend Mr. Barker said, I, I texted Kevin right away and said, why didn't he go home? And Kevin said, because he's scared of throwing the ball right now. I mean, he's made one error. He had another ball that Vladdy saved, saved his bacon on. And that happens to you a couple of times in the game. That happens to you a couple of times in the opener. And it's probably human nature to kind of try to err on the side of caution. But, um, you know, he made he had a couple of misplays that directly led to runs being scored. And, the one, you know, we've seen this with Bo in the past, right, where he will have games where he will make an error, make two other mistakes, and then he'll be fine for ten games, and then he'll make an error, and there'll be another mistake in that game, and then he'll make an error the next day, and then he'll be fine for 15 games or so. Uh, so I'm not, I, I just, I'm not going to talk about Bo's defense this year, especially when he gives me four hits. I'm just not because it is what it is. It isn't going to change. He's never going to be a Gold Glover. Let's see how the shift or lack of the shift impacts on his ability. Yada yada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But man, he, uh, he, he fouled off a pitch yesterday, 92 miles an hour. It was on the ground, and he fouled it off. And that was like watching Vladimir Guerrero Sr. hit. You know, he famously used to hit doubles on balls that would bounce in front of the plate and all that. Uh, I, I think Bo is going to have a terrific year. And he, you know, I mean, I thought he's got a batting title in him at some point, and this may be the year he gets it because he's, he's just so, so good at the plate. He really is. Yeah, he was locked in there, and, you know, it's just it's interesting to hear you mention what Barker said, the idea of him being a little gun-shy to throw it, because when we think of him as a hitter, he is never gun-shy in that regard, and that's exactly. what, what makes him so dangerous. So, yeah, it is a little interesting uh, to, to hear that that might be uh, what, what, what caused him to hold back there. Uh, you know, just talking about the offense as a whole, we talk about Bichette, the day he had, got to talk about Springer. I mean, that is the A-plus version of that guy. That, that, that game alone might have been worth his entire contract, and what he can give this team you know obviously the team has changed a little bit it's a little more athletic there's a little more versatility in the lineup but he still is such a one of one in baseball forget on this team and having him at the top of the lineup if he's going to be that guy it it could be a scary season for the rest of the american league i mean i can't say enough how happy i am that he's not in center field uh he you know he's got he's a there are people who will tell you he's a better right fielder, defensive right fielder, than he is defensive center fielder. I think there's a bit of an ego thing with George playing center field. And I think you're going to probably see him play center field a few times this year, probably more than I'd like to see him play. But, yeah, I, I think right field is going to – right field is going to extend – I was going to say extend his career. It's going to ensure that he's going to play more games this year. I think it's just it's a different animal. You know, you saw that diving catch that he made. It's a different play in right field. And by the way, if they have Teoscar Hernandez in right field, he doesn't come anywhere near that ball. But it's a different play to make a diving catch in right field than it is in center field. There's, there, there's less of that running, slide, bounce stuff that you get in center field. And, yeah, listen, that, that's a, a healthy George Springer. You know, that's just a reminder to Blue Jays fans. 
what that guy is going to be like if he's healthy and playing every day. And you know, has Bo hitting behind him doing what he's doing and Vladdy hitting behind him doing what he's doing. And it's just it's just such a welcome it, it's such a welcome sign to see that. Just to see a kind of happy, very free George Springer and they watched the way that team was in the bases yesterday. They, the, the extra bases they took, the aggressiveness of Kiermaier, and, and sort of the, the the awareness of Whit Merrifield, and all all of these things. I think they're going to be a a much 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 better offensive team this year because of the base running, because of the the speed, because of the the awareness and the ability to take the extra base and and all those good things. I. They, they are they are going to be an amazing offensive machine this year. Yeah, that outfield with Kiermaier at center field, you saw Varsho in there as well, and then with George Springer on, it just looked it looked really solid. I think it's a really encouraging start to uh, a nice defensive Blue Jays team. Uh, I want to ask you about Kirk and Varsho in that cleanup debate. So. Is uh, Varsho just simply like the lefty breaking up the righties, or is it Varsho himself um, getting that cleanup spot um, just because of the, the player he is? I mean, I, you know, looking at thinking back to what John Schneider has said about his his lineup, the top three are set. Now, I would like to see Bo hit cleanup eventually. Now, I'm not going to change my mind on that. I would like to see Bo hit cleanup, but I understand. Hitting him second gets him an extra at bat during the game. I mean, I I, I get all that stuff. Uh, I think what happens once you get past the top three with the Blue Jays, it's a, it's almost as if John Schneider looked at his lineup and said, "Okay, I got two guys that I don't want hitting back to back. That's Varsho and Chapman. I have to figure out a way that I can get enough space between those two guys." Get a get get a couple of guys in between them that are going to give me some contact, so that I, I can kind of mitigate the fact that I think right now Dalton Marshall is kind of the lefty the lefty version of Matt Chapman. So I think that's kind of the key to this lineup is how do they go about breaking up Chapman and Marshall? We saw it yesterday with Kirk and Belt. I think I think we're going to see more of that. It's it's almost as if the Jays don't have a cleanup hitter and. They're trying to put together the middle third of the order based on matchups, again, based on keeping Chapman and Varsho separated. And I, I think that's, that's kind of the way they're going to play it. And if they're not going to move Bo into the cleanup spot, because let's face it, of the, the top three hitters in that team, Bo and Vladdy are the two guys you'd probably move into the cleanup spot. They're not going to do that, and they've got legitimate reasons for not doing that. But they're not going to do that. They have to figure out a way to try to maximize a middle of the order that has two guys with big, big, big holes in their offensive approach. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, yesterday it worked. So is that is that going to be a problem? Like, it feels like a weird question to ask, and I think we all look at this roster and say if there's one area for concern that they not not should but will eventually add, it's going to be the bullpen. But, you know, we think of this lineup as really stout because it is, but just hearing you say they don't have a cleanup hitter, I think a lot of people would say, well, they should probably go find one, and maybe they shouldn't have traded away one in Teoscar Hernandez. Like, how big of a cause for concern is it for you that they don't seem to have a kind of natural cleanup hitter? I mean, I'd rather I'd ra- I'd rather they they do what they're doing now than have say Oscar Hernandez as cleanup hitter. 
I mean, the net gain of having having to put up with the Oscar Hernandez's defense and his lack of awareness in the base pass, the net gain of getting that out of the team and having Varsho and you know, whoever else is there in the middle of the order, I think they'll be fine. I, I, I it's not ideal, but I don't think it's the thing that's going to prevent them from going, you know, from going to the. Uh, from, from from taking a playoff spot and maybe having a bit of success in the playoffs. Like, that lineup's good enough. I think that lineup's good enough to win a World Series if it's healthy. I have, I have, I have no doubt about that. Uh, but you're right. The question is the question is the bullpen. And, you know, this is a team right now that, uh, I mean, they're at the luxury tax. And it's, it's, ownership is obviously committed. To, to getting this thing over the finish line. And kudos to them for that. But, again, they're, they're at the luxury tax threshold or a little over it, and they've got major questions in the bullpen. they got a lot of money invested in a lot of dudes like Rios and Bassett and Gossman. They've invested a lot of money in their pitchers, obviously Springer. Um, there's still some work to do with this team, and, and you know, I look at is there anything they could move off the roster if they decided they, they want to get below the luxury tax? Is there anything they can move off the roster that's going to make a significant dent in that and maybe allow them to add something better? I mean, there really isn't. You well, know, you could Jeff, is that a bunch of guys in the bullpen making $2.5 million right now. I guess you could do that. But, I, I listen, I think at some point this year, one, they got to have Nate. Nate Pearson has to just – all he has to do is show a flash – and I think they've got them up here as soon as they possibly can. And they do need to they need to do some work in the bullpen still. That's that's obvious. Yeah, it just seems to me like the most obvious one, and feel free to, you know, tell me I'm an idiot. Wouldn't wouldn't be the first time, Blair. Uh, is could they not attach and obviously, you know, you want to use your prospects to get things as opposed to get rid of them, but could they not potentially attach something to Ryu? And obviously he's got a huge price tag attached to him, but it's just for the one year left. Would that be a way you could see them potentially looking into that as the season goes on if the if the luxury tax is gonna be a concern for them like it appears to be? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, I'm gonna, I want to be careful. I don't think it's, it's not a concern. I'm saying if it were to become a concern, sure, right sure, now, right, yeah, right now it's clearly not a concern, which is good. And I don't want it to be a concern, right? As a, you know, as someone falls to Jays, I want ownership to spend money. That's that's good. I, you know, I'm not gonna sit around and worry about the luxury tax. But I'm saying if that were to become a factor, it's it's something they have to consider. Yeah, look, you could dump reuse salary. And you know, attach one of your prospects to him in order in order to get a deal done. Uh, but you know, I I look at the prospects they have right now, and Ricky Tiedemann's off the board. Obviously, you're not going to move him. It's not the deepest farm system in baseball, right? And I've kind of thought for the past three years that. And the Jays certainly wouldn't be the first team to do this. I, I get the feeling they value their minor leaguers a little more than a lot of other people do. And so for that reason, I you know, I don't know. A guy like Arelvis Martinez, what do other teams see when they see him? There is a lot of swing and miss there. You know, people talk about him. He could be a great third baseman. He could be a great offensive player. He could be another Mikel Franco. I mean, you just you 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 just you just don't know. So 
I don't know how they go about doing this. Ryu would make the most amount of sense. You know, tie that contract to something, a, a, a really good young prospect, and see if a team like, you know, Cincinnati or or Oakland would would bite at it. But um, yeah, I don't. I just I don't know what other people think about their minor league system right now. And, and again, other than Ricky Tiedemann. Um, yeah, I, I just I just don't know what, and I guess Addison Barger to a certain degree. Although you can't move Addison Barger until you know what you're going to do with Matt Chapman. I just I, I don't know where that move is right now. 161 games left, Jeff Blair. I hope you're excited before we head into the postseason, which I hope is a lengthy one as well. Looking forward to Blair and Barker today at 10, and of course after every Jays game on Jays Talk. Thanks for joining us this morning. Happy belated birthday, and uh, have a safe trip in. Thanks, gang. Have a good day. Jeff Blair, host of Blair and Barker on Sportsnet.ca, of course, and uh, columnist there. He will be on today at 10 a.m. to break down the Toronto Blue Jays' first win. So I just pulled it up. Uh, according to uh, the fine folks at Sportrack, uh, mm-hmm. I always never know how to pronounce that. Spotrack sounds weird to say. Great website. Uh, they it looks like the Blue Jays have roughly a $4 million tax bill right now, according to them. Now, obviously, these calculations can be a little different as the year goes on and depending on bonuses and all of those types of things. Uh, but Blair's right. They're right up against it. Now, again, I want to echo what he said. He's not saying that this is a team that won't spend past the cap or doesn't want to be in the luxury tax, but like anything, you got to prove you're worth it. And uh, one game, they're one and oh, you want to keep doing that as the season goes along, it's going to look like it's worth it a lot more. So, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to ask, but uh, I want to clarify what mm-hmm. Blair was saying there that. They might, they might be able and willing to add without moving off a, a contract like Hyunjin Ryu, but obviously with him, $20 million on the books, if you do want to get under or kind of replace that $20 million with uh, $20 million of you know guys who can play baseball this year, maybe that'd be an interesting move there. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. A long ways away, but the Blue Jays start off on the right foot. 10-9 victory yesterday, a lot of great offense. A couple things. It's early, but... We'll keep an eye on it. They're back in action tomorrow at 2.15 opening pitch. Um, still there in St. Louis. They get the day off today. Everybody's relaxing, recovering, and getting ready for the long grind. Now ahead. Tyler O'Neill. He's coming on bunk. I forgot about him. Bunk. That was his uh, his fourth straight fourth opening, day bomb. opening day home run. I believe it's tied for the most ever. You should only play that day. We had Tyler O'Neill on our show oh, before the World go. Baseball Classic. So um, JD just stealing our guests. Not a big deal. Classic. All right, it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Mm, yum, 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 yum. Oh, that's me. I don't oh like that. Te- uh, just, just clarifying. Jump text- scare. Texture's not going to be happy about that Jump one. Jump scare. One more time. Mm, yum, 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 yum. Oh. Ew, Connor. Why does it sound like that? Do yum, I yum, always yum. sound like See, that? See, that's, that's way better. better. It's clean. It's clear. It's not creepy. Mine sounds lecherous. I don't like it. You wrote these ones in here. Do you want to take the... Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, take the lead. I'll take the Since lead. Since it's your voice. Yeah. It's a little, uh, yeah, just a, a little off-putting there when I say it. Uh, it is time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Aaron Judge uh, homering on his first swing Woof. of the year. <laughs> Yeah, not what anybody in the American League wants to see or, or anyone outside of New York, for that matter, or even people from other boroughs in New York. Uh, nobody wants to see that. Yankees, 5 nothing win, spanking the Giants. Uh, Aaron Judge, he's a beast, uh, going to do it again. And then just any time <laughs> I can sneak in a stat that goes back mm. to 1901, you've got to do it. Go. Baseball's great for these. Uh, they really, really are. 
O's catcher, Adley Rushman. This guy is going to be a problem. There's mm-hmm. a few guys on that O's team. Uh, my, I hate to say it for everyone who is going to be tortured by this guy very soon, but my uh, soon-to-be son, Gunnar Henderson on the O's, I have to have to claim him as my own. But him and Rushman going to be a problem for them. Adley Rushman going five for five yesterday for the O's. He is the first catcher since 1901. <laughs> To, now, this is super specific stat, but it's pretty <laughs> impressive. To reach base six times with five knocks on opening day, just ridiculous stuff from him. Uh, they also won a 10-9 game over the Red Sox. There the you go. Did. Sports and stats got a workout yesterday. There's a lot of first time since blank, second time Fallon ever. and the boys putting in work over there. That's right. I love sports and stats. Like, I just pull that page up and scroll and We have a lot so of much. departments in this company. I don't know that many pull their weight. More than no that one does. Chance. I don't want to get into the departments that don't. We'll save that for off-air discussions. But yes, uh, Sportsnet stats definitely at the top of the list in terms of departments that absolutely pull their weight. Someone that always does as well is Nick Kiprios. He's going to join us on the other side of the break of Real Kipper and Born. He just wrote an article for the Toronto Star um, about Leafs and their goaltending depth and how we should maybe feel a little bit optimistic. Mm. Now, that is shocking because we never feel optimistic no. in Leafs land. Let's talk to Kipper about that on the other side of the break. Fan Morning Show with Gunnar and Ailish. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show. Brent Gunning, Ailish Forfar here with you for another eh, hour and a half. Then it's the weekend. Justin Cuthbert will be back with you on Monday. Very, very happy to join, be joined by a guy I usually fill in for, so I don't really get to talk to him that much. <laughs> Nick Kiprios, former NHL forward, Stanley Cup champ, and co-host of Real Kipper and Born. Kipper, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Good morning, Ailish. Good morning, Real Kipper Jr. <laughs> I will take it. That is as nice a name as anybody had called me. Last time I was, or a couple times ago, I filled in on your show. Doug McLean called me Jim Benning. So I would much rather be uh, Real Kipper Jr. Uh, than okay. Jim Benning. However, he got that uh, out of it. You know Mac. Uh, he'll take us to strange places. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, just like the Leafs will take us, Kipper. Uh, it seems like it is never uh, never too easy or linear in, in Leafland. Uh, a lot to chew on, but I want to talk to you about the uh, the piece you had up in the star there about goaltending and you know goaltending has been an afterthought in this market for a little while maybe afterthought is too strong but it hasn't been their first priority when they put this team together uh what do you make of the way the Leafs have handled goaltending and the way a lot of teams around the league are, are kind of looking at it now well be- before we get into all of that uh i the piece that I wrote for the Toronto star, I opened it up with my own personal goaltending experience. So I'll ask you guys, Ailish, <laughs> were you one of those, were you one of those players that had to, to strap on the pad? Buddy, and, and, I remember this. <laughs> I played for the Georgina blaze. It was at the Sutton arena and everybody had to cycle through and wear the pads. And I was in, I must've been four or five years old and I was inside the net inside, not in the crease, in the net. I remember crying in the net and I think 23 goals were scored and my parents were in the stands like, that's it. There's no way this girl can play hockey again. Then I obviously never touched the net again, but I remember this vividly, the terror in my face and my body when these kids couldn't even raise the puck and I was five years old. So yeah, 
yes, I remember it, yeah. and I'm glad I never followed that dream because it was terrible. I wanted no parts of it and never would have touched those pads. I didn't even Ugh. like playing goalie in road hockey. They were so. like road hockey pads yeah, anyway, too. You're I, like four years old. It was no, terrible. I never had anything to do with this. Kipper, tell us your exploits. Well, no, just exactly. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that uh, others had uh, a miserable experience like myself. I just... I, I just sat there too long in between <laughs> yes. plays, and I'm like, okay, are they coming back? Are they not coming back? You know, start Slowly. waving to my parents. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not for everybody. Uh, but certainly, uh, you just wonder where it's going today. Uh, we often talk about kids not wanting to be referees anymore. I'm just wondering if they want to be goalies <laughs> anymore. Watching the constant uh, scrutiny and the pressure and you know, the, the other part of the, the, the article I wrote was that uh, there's way more question marks for teams in net now than I can recall in a long time. Good teams, teams that uh, have rosters that should compete, uh, but with the one question in net. And that's where the, the piece really is from, and, and including the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the good news for Leaf fans is that they're not the only ones. You look at some good hockey teams out there, uh, like New Jersey last night, Vanacek goes and beats Shesterk, and that really shouldn't happen this time of year uh, when you think about it. But Vanacek uh, got his 30th win, something that hasn't happened uh, since Marty Brodeur did it, uh, what, five, seven years ago. So I think that there is hope that goal goaltending today doesn't need to be standing on your head type of uh, performances, but rather just make the saves that you're supposed to. And, and Kemper kind of started that last year. Yeah, the fact that the Avs, not only that Kemper was able to do that, but then they said, thank you for your service. We will go get another guy who can do somewhat close to the same job. And they go and get Gorgiev, and it's worked out for for the most part for them. You know, just looking at the big picture with the Leafs going forward, you know, obviously Samsonov's an RFA after the season. Murray's on the books for one more year. Joe Wall's on the books for two more. And if goaltending is going to be one of these, well, let's get a couple guys in here, have a competition, see if somebody can steal the job. And if not, go find another guy. Uh, it feels like Joe Wall, from the little bit I've seen of him, looks good enough for, and again, there's just not enough time left this year, I don't think, for him to force his way into the mix. But next year, you've got to think this is a guy who who should, at the very least, be part of the conversation. If not, just make him your backup for next year. Uh, no question it's set up for Wall in the next few years. And depending on what you see in the next little while, uh, whether he's going to get a game in, I think the Leafs have next week Tampa Bay. I wouldn't show my cards with either Matt Murray or Samsonov. That that's the one game on a back-to-back in Tampa. I would throw uh, Wall in uh, just for the sake of not uh, exposing my other two guys. But in saying that, I, I think Samsonov's done enough to show that he is capable. He can play well. He can. Uh, uh, be a Kemper type of guy and make saves that he's supposed to. I know the one uh, black cloud over his season is his road record. Mm-hmm. You might want to get a couple more starts in between now and the end of the year. Um, but it's really set up for me for, for Samson off to get those uh, first early games. And, uh, and then you just hope that the team's uh, strong enough up front that the power play's going uh, well and uh, Matthews and Marner feel great, and the supporting cast is there around them, and that's uh, that's how you roll the dice and go from there. 
Yeah, so with eight games left and a couple back-to-backs, as you mentioned, um, that road-slash-home split is interesting. I wonder how much stock you think Sheldon Keefe's going to put into that. Like, for example, tomorrow night, the Matt Murray return home to Ottawa. Does he give him that opportunity, or does he give Samsonov the chance to bolster that road record? Like, there's a couple big decisions to be made here, even though the Maple Leafs still kind of know where they're going to be at um, when game one of the playoffs roll around. Yeah, listen, I mean, there's there's a... There's an argument for Samsonov to play in Ottawa. Ottawa is still a team that believes, uh, you know, they, they play well. They're high octane. Uh, Stutzel's having a, a career year. I, I think it would be a good challenge for, for Samsonov to go in there. But, you know, in saying that, you've got to almost prepare both goalies to feel as good as they can just to, in case that they're called upon. But, you know, if, if you're leaning towards eight games to get one guy over the, the finish line, it, it ha- the focus has to be on what's best for Samsonov from here on in. Fan Morning Show, Brent Cutting, Ailish Forfar here. Very, very happy to be talking with uh, Real Kipper. Nick Kiprios, uh, you know, a lot of talk about the goaltending, rightfully so. A lot of complaining, rightfully so, about the power play. The Leafs have the second best power play in the NHL, according to the numbers, and I never feel confident when they get out there with an extra man. What is wrong with this unit? And am I even asking the right question? Is there anything wrong with it? We just saw them go over in that game against the Panthers. We know it's been a bugaboo for them in the playoffs. How do you fix it? We've asked this question for three years. They have some of the most talented players in the world. As gifted a passer as anybody in Marner, Matthews, Nylander, great shooters, awesome net friend presence, and it never seems to click, but they have the second best power play in the NHL. It doesn't make any sense. Help me understand, Kipper. Yeah, and it, it is for me. It's always going to be a concern, especially on the track record of the last few years, where we've seen a very good power play over the like two or three years carry towards the latter part of the season, only to let them down at the very end. And, and last year was a catastrophe in terms of going from one of the best power plays to one of the coldest ones uh, you've seen. And that can't happen, especially in the playoffs, guys. Where where you're not getting four or five opportunities. You're going to get one or two, and you have to cash in on one of them. And uh, it was really disappointing to see one of the worst penalty-killing teams in the league in Florida come in, and uh, you're at home, and you go 0 for 4. Um, It is, on record, the second-best power play in the league only to the Edmonton Oilers, but they don't move the puck like Edmonton. Uh, And they don't have guys that can disguise uh, shot passes uh, like Dreisaitl or McDavid. Yes, Marner's very good at it. But when you really think about it, uh, he's the only one. Uh, as far as an elite passer, he's the only one on that power play. So maybe you just go to your strengths a little bit more. And we know that uh, uh, Matthews is a pure shooter. And we know Tavares is best around the six-foot radius of, of the net. And you just have to find ways to get pucks through and, and second and third opportunities so Tavares can do his thing. But once you're on the perimeter, once you're in a, a position of moving the puck away from the net, the Leafs, that is not their strength. And they're just going to have to find a way to get more inside and, and get pucks through and, and just pounce on second or third opportunities. That's their strength. If you want to start looking like the Edmonton Oilers, it's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, and Morgan Riley continues to be that guy that doesn't have a threat of a shot, but he's going to have to find faster ways to, to get pucks through and, and, and let the guys uh, do their work around the net. 
Kipper, have you been watching much Tampa Bay Lightning hockey as of late? Well, the hit and miss, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been one of those uh, stretches, Alish, where, you know, a lot of people believe that they're tired. A lot of people believe that they're at the end of their rope in terms of uh, this push. There's ample reasons to believe that, but then there's reasons to believe that these guys are are special players this time of year, and uh, they're not going to miss another opportunity to prove that. So uh, uh, we look with great anticipation of that first round with Toronto. Yeah, it is funny. Like we started the conversation talking about goaltending and I'm in lockstep with you on where this league is going. And you're right. These guys sometimes falter, but that is still the scariest part about that is that Vasilevsky is still lurking. And if he can turn it on, that can neutralize uh, a lot that's going wrong with that team. And I think we're all a little hesitant to count him out given, given the way uh, that they've looked Ryan O'Reilly ready to get back with this team. Uh, Seems like if it's not this week, it'll be right at the beginning of next. How important is it for this team to kind of use the games left in the season once he's back in the lineup to find some continuity. Obviously, without him in there, you were never going to get your forward line set. So Keith has gone with a lot of 11 and 7. He's tried a lot of different things. How quickly do you think they'll kind of hone in on exactly what they want? And do you think it'll start with him as a third line center? Or do you think they'll start with kind of loading up the top six? Yeah, I wouldn't load up the top six. Uh, and the Leafs somehow have this reputation of, uh, you know, going to get a Joe Thornton and throwing him on the number one line right away. And uh, I, How'd that I, work hope out? They, <laughs> yeah, I hope that they uh, don't do that with Ryan O'Reilly right off the bat. Uh, you know, somehow when, when, when the, you know, the, the chips get pushed into the middle of the table, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be right there in the thick of things, if not on a first or second line. Right. So that's a given. Uh, but I would ease him in for sure. And I, I, I think everybody is anticipating a one, two, three with Matthews, Tavares, and Ryan O'Reilly at some point. So no question that the best time to do that is as uh, is early as he comes back. And, and then you go from there. But Ryan O'Reilly, for me, is the X factor here. We, we know what we're going to get with Marner and Matthews. Sometimes it's a bit of a wild card on, on Tavares and Nylander. That's where Ryan O'Reilly gives Sheldon Keefe so many options uh, to, to start uh, looking at these next eight games and saying, okay, what kind of different looks can I put together here? Kipper, how excited are you that uh, Nye's watch is ticking down? Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> He's on the cuffs, buddy, and then we can just talk about where he fits, where he slots, how much impact he's got. We're right there. We're right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, it's no secret that I'm going to tell you that a tendency to overhype in this town sometimes happens. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it'll be one of those things where you, you sign them, you, you bring them in, you let them go have a couple of practices, and he's going to get some games in for sure. Uh, but it's going to be one of those where they're going to ease him in. If he's anywhere near the top six uh, to start right off the bat, I'd be shocked, to be honest with you. you you got to be careful about this. you got to temper expectations. And if there's a chance that he can look decent in some of those games, playing maybe eight, ten minutes, uh, maybe a dangle a carrot in front of him. But this is one of those things where, come on, this is a very tough market. He's not going 
he's not signing and then going to Seattle here. He's going into a hub that, uh, you know, the occasion uh, in this town is to eat your own. So, you know, just just take it easy on the Matthew Nye's talk and, and let the guy come in without having his head spinning like uh, Linda Blair in The Exorcist. <laughs> What a reference. Wow, what Love a reference. that. You're using that on Kipper and Bourne for I really, sure. I really like that. The The thing about Nyes is that he, with them getting O'Reilly and with Yarncroc looking the way he's looked is that they don't have to. It's almost kind of gravy. And if he can come in, and I know this isn't the type of player he is. You know, he's a skilled guy. He wants to score. But if he can come in and just kind of run around and bang his way in the bottom six, you know, that's as good a way to get your feet wet as any. It'll be it'll be interesting uh, to, to see. Uh, William Nylander, he's He's had his annual lull mm. as of late. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go the other way and say it's not concerning. This is the perfect time. Sheldon Keefe's got a couple of weeks to get him dialed back in. It felt like he maybe came out of it a bit in that Florida game, other than whatever he was doing at the end of three-on-three overtime there. Uh, any concern about Nylander? He's had this awesome year, but it feels like he's uh, kind of hitting the skids just a bit lately. Yeah, Gunnar, I'm leaning towards you a little bit more here than than the other side here. I think he's had a, a really good, strong year. And there's no question that we've seen signs of him where he can dominate. And dominate physically. Usually it's with the speed or the shot that we've seen in the past. But I've seen signs where physically he's he can move people off. Um, not quite at the level of a Pasternak, but man, just inching ever so closer to being that type of player. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, you got to get going a little bit here. I, I didn't like his effort the other night. I didn't like the move that he made in overtime where he tried to tuck the puck between his legs mm-hmm. only to have it come back on a two-on-one to, to lose the game. Uh, but the, the pros outweigh the cons when it comes to Willie, uh, his season and the fact that he is a true game-breaker for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, eight games should be enough to get him out of this funk here and get him back into a good place starting game one against Tampa Bay. Kipper, uh, Wayne Simmons getting a little bit of ice time down the stretch just uh, to be kind to the guy or anything there, playoff vibe? Well, uh, I, I do see value there for sure. And it comes, you know... I know reputation can only take you so far, but he gives the Leafs a feel. Hmm. And I, I just know as as a player, being in that position, when certain guys are in the lineup, it just makes you feel a little better. Yeah. Makes you feel maybe a little braver, maybe even a, it makes you feel a, an inch or two taller. Uh, Simmons can do that still, you know, and you want to be selective on when you put him on the ice, but... You know, every once in a while, if if he stands up uh, and and starts going at it with Maroon, there is an element to that where it's like, okay, at least Maroon's focused now on Simmons. He doesn't have to focus on me, and that's a good thing. Uh, Not too many other players can bring that presence to the Leaf lineup, including Aston Reese. And uh, so, you know, you, you, you continue to be selective if you're Sheldon, but when push comes to shove, there might be some opportunities for him to be in that first round against Tampa Bay, no question. Yeah, nice piece to have in the mix uh, for, for sure. Uh, last one for you before we let you go, Kipper. I know you love your Jays. I know you guys were working, so you're a little bogged down yeah. during it, but were you fired up to see your Jays? Uh, we won't talk about any of the bad things that happened. They scored a bunch of runs and they won. <laughs> Are you fired up, Kipper? 
I am. But so so we get a, a, a clock to speed up the game, yeah. but then they score all these <laughs> runs that slow the game down. So, uh, no, listen, uh, it, the offense, they are never out of a game. They could be down three or four runs uh, in the ninth, and you just are not turning the television off. And I think yesterday was a prime example that uh, it, it's going to be fun. And I, w- I want to get to the dome and, and start hanging out in uh, mm. the outfield, uh, some of those patios. It, it looks fantastic. I'm really looking forward to a great, great baseball season. Well, you got a you got a pretty good tour guide in your boy uh, Sammy McKee. Something oh, yeah. tells me he's uh, he's skulked around those areas a few times. He's had before. a couple. BLs out there in the <laughs> in the outfield. You'll you'll get the tour kipper. You're going to be kipper and born uh, Jay's talk plus this summer. <laughs> All right, I, I can hang with Sammy and, and JB, no problem. There you go. Uh, thanks, Kipper. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll chat next week. Uh, you guys as well. Thanks. That's Nick Caprios, former NHL forward, Stanley Cup champ, and coach of Real Kipper and Born. Of course, sometimes. It's Gunner and Bourne, but yeah. real Kipper. The, the uh, as we like to say occasionally, uh, it's real Kipper and Bourne, sometimes featuring the very fraudulent Brent Gunning. Yes, <laughs> that's never the case. Uh, Kipper, big Jays guy, love that. We'll so get him during, off some Jays breakdowns. During, so this backstory behind that is during the during the AA era runs. Mm. Uh, Kipper, he's Greek. AA is Greek. I'm not, I'm going to butcher the name of it. So I'm not going to say there's like a special type of pot that they use to make a soup. Again, I'm not going to try to say it because I'm just going to butcher it and it deserves to be pronounced correctly. But he was like sharing it with the team and they were taking pictures with it. And Kipper was like, like he was, he was like, uh, you know, tangentially a part of things there. So I always think of uh, Kipper when the Jays okay. are doing well. So yeah, happy for him. I love that very much. Okay, I can't wait to see Kipper at the ballpark. He will. And those new areas. Mobbed. In the, yeah, he would definitely get mobbed. And yeah. also, uh, he would know. You asked him about Wayne Simmons there. It's like, hey, what can he do? Uh, everything I did. So I know that uh, that guy True. could be of value at some point in time. I don't know if people are um, as confident in Wayne Simmons being a playoff Peace. To me, he is the perfect break glass in case of emergency. Mm. I don't want him in there, but I think that that's kind of the point of having, if you're going to go with the three centers of having Ryan O'Reilly, if you're going to load those guys up and then you have a fourth line that is Aston Reese, Kampf, and Simmons, and you can kind of spot Kampf at other places and Simmers out there for a handful of minutes, you basically go 11 and 6 mm-hmm. and Simmers just there, kind of break glass in case of emergency. So I'm not, I'm not putting them in the lineup game one, but if they're getting pushed around, it's that type of series. I can see a world where it happens and you just kind of ride your big dogs more in that game. Especially because Tampa Bay Lightning can have a couple of those oh, mess Maroon. them up You boys. saw it in that game against mm-hmm. Boston. What was it last weekend when they said, let's just fight to start Opening the game. That'd be off. fun. Maroon going to Hathaway. Yeah. I don't think the Leafs have ever done that. No, no. Uh, no, that's a lie. Nazem Kadri. Uh, ripped oh, off Joe Thornton's you're beard. Right, you are right about that. And David Clarkson uh, jumped off the bench I to defend Phil Kessel's one. honor oh? uh, when John Scott maimed him. John Scott. And then David Clarkson All-star got suspended ten games to start the year, and he was never the same. Those are the days. Um, <laughs> they were days. I don't know if they were the days. They were days. Um, but we asked about Tampa Bay because they were scuffling as of late. They did get a five-one win over the Capitals, four-nothing win over the Hurricanes in their last two outings. So uh, you know they, I, they I, could still they could deceive. I'll I tell feel in on Kipper and Bourne and said Leafs are going to win in six and Lightning haven't lost since. So great. They're 5-5-0 five, five, and oh in their last 10. So just hovering around, lurking in the weeds. Lingering. Waiting to pounce. Uh, Leafs 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. So everyone's kind of in the same little 
wait unless you're the Bruins who secured the President's Trophy mm-hmm. last night. Um, we got more Jays talk with Caitlin McGrath on the other side of the break. She's joining us from St. Louis. I wonder what she's got planned. We won't ask her. We'll say, leave her no, alone. No, I want to know what okay. she does on an off day. Friendly, well, it's Caitlin. pouring rain. Okay, so yeah, probably sitting maybe inside. Maybe in her hotel. Feels like she'd read a book. That hey, just feels on brand like a for nice, her. A nice book reader, just, you know, sit in a nice fireplace area. Wow. Type of hotel, the athletic expensing. Well, My sure goodness. She's doing all right there. Uh, no Ryan Clydesdales today, uh, but we'll chat about everything that was the Blue Jays' opening day victory over the St. Louis Cardinals yesterday. 10 9. The highs and the lows of starting the season the way they did. That's next on the other side of the break on the Fan Morning Show with Gunner and Dalish.